0: The Penn State Nittany Lions could not have had a better setup going into the Ohio State game. You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That is right. You are locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Zach Saco, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code College for $20 off your first purchase. Takeaway episode, as we do here going into the week after the latest game for the Nittany Lions. I got seven of them, but the the main opening one is that Penn State could not have had a better setup going into the Ohio State game, going to Columbus against the Buckeyes. I'm going to discuss that, plus talk about what the offense showed and Penn State's defense and special teams. Game-changing stuff. I know it was UMass. I get it. I know, but game-changing stuff, schematics for Manny Diaz and Stacey Collins and company. Let me know what you think in the comments. What were your biggest takeaways from the game against UMass? I get it. It was the Minutemen, but Penn State showed some progress uh, despite the caliber of opponent. Let's discuss just that. Penn State, having UMass right before Ohio State was the perfect opponent. And no, it's not because UMass is a bottom five FBS team. I know that. The analytics tell me that. And I should have been more aware of that with my prediction. Let's just let's put that to the side, but I'll own up to it. But for Penn State, I'm going to go even further back because you played a tough North, a physical Northwestern team, not a tough opponent, but a physical one that was not afraid to punch back no matter what the score was. Then you have the bye week to get healthy. Then you have the UMass Minutemen and then you go on the road to Columbus for that Ohio State game. I should have known better for my prediction, I, I, but Penn State never had to worry about UMass. Bottom five FBS team, as I've already mentioned here, and honestly, they'd probably lose to a good chunk of FCS teams, especially the ones in the top 25, but both quarterbacks were banged up. O-line is, is not very good. They've allowed 25 sacks to this point. But that's not what the takeaway is about. The takeaway is not about the caliber of UMass. It's the fact that you got punched by Northwestern. Northwestern made it a physical game. Katron Allen left early. Jamie Nelson was carted off. Heaton Ellis left the game. Chop Robinson, I didn't see it, but people pointed out to me that he was in and out of the game. Uh, he did not play consistently in that one. So whether that was rest or whether he was banged up, we don't know for sure. But UMass is a finesse team, the complete opposite of your traditional Big Ten, your Illinois, your Iowa, your Northwestern types of teams because they play quick. They play speedy. They like to get out into the open space. They're a finesse team with the explosive plays, kind of that all or nothing, but they don't try to out-physical you, and that was the opponent that Penn State needed to face going into Ohio State. If it was flipped, let's just take UMass out of the equation in general. But say you make Northwestern the game, going on the road to Northwestern and then having to turn around the same and then the next week going into Columbus. That is a much tougher scenario for Penn State because then you have uh, only a week's time to figure out what's going on with Catron Allen, what's going on with the offensive line, what's going on with some of the other guys that were banged up. And whether people showed up on the injury report or not, that was still a bumps and bruises type of game is what my point is. Penn State never had to be afraid of UMass in anything. That is why they put pedal to the metal, the foot to the gas, because they were never threatened, challenged. There was never anything to lose against the Minutemen. They could dominate them. They could punch them without ever expecting a punch back. So like I said, this was the perfect scenario. You had those physical games of Illinois, Iowa, and Northwestern all back to back to back. Then you had the bye week to heal up from those bumps and bruises. And then, even though with the rain, Penn State kept its starters in for a long time. And UMass, why they were the perfect opponent was because this was an opportunity to use them as a scout team. I'm sorry, UMass. That's just where you are compared to Penn State. They were able to use them as a scout team. Division One athletes going up against Penn State that offered a little resistance in a tune-up, shake-off-the-rust type of game. You also played in a little bit of inclement weather in Penn State. Had the one turnover from Trey Wallace. That's okay on offense, but still Penn State very clean with the football. We're going to talk about that more with Drew Aller. And like I said, it's a different story if Northwestern had to go back to back. But Northwestern, the bye week, and then UMass as your tune-up game before you go on the road to Columbus could not have been a best-case scenario for the Nittany Lions when you're going into the biggest game of the year to this point. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway, and why Penn State, they had an ax to grind. Penn State and James Franklin had an ax to grind with all of the national media coverage between the comments about the scheduling issue, issue or not issue, whatever, but James Franklin, and I, I made this point that James was complimenting the Big Ten schedule, being that you don't need to go out of the conference anymore to boost your resume. The Big Ten itself with nine games is going to be suitable enough for the college football playoff committee. It should be anyway. So no, he was not trying to spite Michigan. Honestly, we still technically don't know if he was even referring to the Wolverines. I wanted to make a point about the comment. That's why I had that episode. But James Franklin, it was not necessarily taking a direct shot at Michigan, but making a point about what teams in the Big Ten now have the flexibility to do. And he even admitted it. We're doing it too. He said, Penn State's doing it, too. It's the formula that you can go get these tune-up type of games and then rely on the Big Ten schedule to be enough. That was the point. But those comments spread like wildfire. You had the exchange with Corey Geiger. I encourage people to go check out that episode where the comment, the question not being quite understood, but here we are a few days later, and the clip goes viral on Pat McAfee, on Barstool, of James Franklin schooling a reporter. So those things matter. To James Franklin, those things matter to the team. You are out there in frankly a negative light. None of these were positive comments that, that had spread. These were things that were stoking flames and, and trying to rile people up for the sake of, I get it, entertainment. But that's my point. Penn State normally sleepwalks in these situations, which is why I thought UMass, okay, 40 point plus points is a lot here. But UMass, this is a team that does not offer any juice. There's nothing for Penn State to really gain from this other than shake off some rust. And you got Ohio State. It's your classic sandwich game, the bye week, lackluster opponent, and then, whoa, not necessarily prime time, but one of the biggest games of the year. A top 10 matchup since the rankings want to move Penn State back from 6th to 7th, but they played UMass. That, that was not a team that boosts your resume a, at all. Penn State is typically not great after the buy either. But because of the caliber opponent, you were able to succeed in in ways that maybe you wouldn't have in the past. Like I said, UMass is just not a good team. So Penn State never really had to worry about that. But you had outside motivation. So James Franklin and Penn State use that extra emotion to stick it to UMass, but also the critics here in this case it wasn't so much about the minutemen they just happened to be the team that had to stand in the way of the freight train but for penn state this was a chance to kind of take all that anger emotion out on the football field uh, after quite the week of national media attention penn state showed good progress with the ground game drew aller might be setting records hopefully no jinxes here but but drew aller is having quite the season thus far with the way that he is protecting the football. We're going to talk about that in the upcoming segment. Plus, on the other side, defense and special teams in the third segment. Let's talk about one of our sponsors of today's episode, and that is Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should never be stressful. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy last-second tickets to all your favorite sporting, music, comedy events, anything near you game time experience is really good really nice really convenient you get flash deals on last minute tickets so how about that you're getting a discount on top of tickets that you were finding last second and it's easy to find and buy tickets of any kind in your area my favorite feature using the game time app is the seat view You get to see where you're going to be seated, what your view is going to be at that concert, at that game. So you're not not second-guessing yourself or wondering what this is going to be. Lowest price guaranteed and event cancellation protection is also included. So Game Time is the great place to get those last-second deals on football, basketball, baseball, hockey, comedy, theater, concerts, everything. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game time. Download the game time app and use promo code locked on college for $20 off when you create your account. That is promo code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. All you got to do is create an account with game time and take advantage of that promo code locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Download game time today. Last second tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Price Picks. PrizePix is the largest independently-owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way for, to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. That's all it is. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including the pros, the Sharks, you pick more than or less than a two-to-six-player set of projections and watch the winnings roll in. If you have the skills, you can turn $10. Into $250 with just a few taps. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks, submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. That's all it takes. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And this is my favorite feature. This is very exciting. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. NFL games, college football top 25 matchups. If you have a player who exits in the first half, you probably had that happen to you before. Your bet's going well, you have a parlay put together, you have your, you have your slip, and then your player gets hurt and you lose your last leg. Not with this. If the player exits in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. So here's a way that you can get the most out of Prize Picks. Go to prizepickscom slash college and use promo code college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom slash college with promo code college to get up to $100 in a deposit match. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. And the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage every Friday from starting at 11 a.m. on all the Locked On College YouTube channels with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. So including Locked On Nittany Lions, you can find that live show starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time, previewing the weekend slate of games, talking about the college football playoff conference rivalries now that we are (laughs) in the thick of it with conference play. Penn State, Ohio State is certainly going to be a heavy topic, but check it out on Locked on Nittany Lions, all the Locked on College YouTube channels live at 11 a.m. Eastern time with Locked on College Football Kickoff Live, and then you can play it back wherever you get your podcast after the show concludes. Let's get back to the takeaways here, and I have two more in this segment before I have my final three going into the last one, and it's about the offense because everybody loves the Penn State offense here. The The ground game showed a lot of improvement. UMass, I really do. I get it, but the the progress, the flashes were there for Penn State. They have been so stubborn with the inside zone, and I'm really starting to believe a lot of this is by design. Because why is Penn State basically trying to run a, a square peg into a round hole? Inside zone's not working yet. Penn State continued to use it against Illinois, against Iowa, against West Virginia. It didn't matter. Inside zone wasn't working. But outside zone seems pretty successful. Down blocking with the offensive lineman seems pretty successful when it's basically mano-a-mano, find a guy and block him instead of inside zone, allowing the running lanes to open up. But Penn State, I think, was doing this by design to allow the inside zone to get the additional practice, work out the kinks, work out the problems, and then you have it ready for because you need all the elements. You need inside zone, you need outside zone, you need counters, traps, you need all of it. An effective ground game. You can't just rely on the one element. So, sure, you want to, but you need to be able to run inside zone against the likes of Ohio State, against the likes of Michigan. But Penn State has masked its success because why aren't they running to the outside? Why aren't they running more counter and trap plays and the down blocking again, where it's man to man with the offensive line? Penn State has shown in glimpses that outside zone. And counter plays can be very successful. You have the best offensive tackle in football in old fashion. And why aren't the Nittany Lions running it to, to that side pretty frequently? Because they know it works. They don't need to know it works against Illinois, against a team in Iowa that you shut out. You don't need to show your best plays. That's what you save them for. They haven't needed to do it, so they're not going to. But it's coming against Ohio State. It's coming against Michigan. You also have the speed to run a more outside zone. Catron Allen is your between-the-tackles back, but he's shown that when he gets outside of the tackles that he is just as successful as a Nicholas Singleton can be. And Nicholas Singleton provides the speed. Just wait for it. You're going to see more outside runs. You're going to see more sweeps from Penn State because they have that speed to do it. People are forgetting that Nicholas Singleton is one of the fastest running backs in the country because we haven't seen that big play from him yet. Expect more outside zones, counters, trap plays, you name it, to take the pressure off of constantly running behind the three interior offensive linemen of now Vanga Yuane, Hunter Norzad, and Sal Wormley. Penn State doesn't need to run it up the middle uh, dozens of times with little to no success. If you run it to the outside, you got to keep the defense honest. Illinois saying, okay, well, they just keep running inside zone so now we're just going gonna to go down into the A-gaps, the B-gaps, because we don't need to worry about the C-gap or the D-gap in this case. For Michigan, for Ohio State, you're going to have to be a little more aware of that, and the explosive running plays will come because Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen and Trey Potts all have the athleticism to do that. Let's move to Drew Aller. This is my fourth takeaway. Just him protecting the football is insanely impressive. I'm not at UMass. You faced a, a top 10 defense in Iowa. Okay. That forces takeaways that has probably of the second best secondary in the big 10 behind Penn States. Penn state analytically is the best pass defense in the entire country right now. Out of 133 FBS teams, Iowa is not too far behind, but in the big 10, I would say that they are number two for Drew Aller to protect the football the way he has. Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford had a fair amount of of turnovers. They were also willing to take some of those chances, but despite Drew Aller not trying the deep shots, and how they did against UMass a couple of times, but I still got a respect for a first-year starter. He's a true sophomore to not have thrown an interception to this point. Yes, the offense. Had its first turnover, as I mentioned, with Trey Wallace on the fumble. But Aller is keeping the football out of harm's way in more ways than one. Not just the interceptions, but not having any fumbles. Also not taking a lot of unnecessary sacks. He knows when to get rid of the football. He knows when to throw it away. Through six starts, Drew Aller's stat line looks like this. 118 completions, 181 attempts, 65 completion percentage, 1,254 yards, 12 touchdowns, and no turnovers. Let's not forget, he did not throw an interception all of last season. And he had 10 game appearances, too, as a true freshman. And let's add four touchdown passes on top of it. Aller is processing the game very well. Not taking unnecessary sacks, knowing to get rid of the football. Sometimes Aller will miss receivers pretty blatantly. And you're like, is Drew Aller really that inaccurate? Sometimes, yes, he will miss routes because he's a little behind or stuff like that. But when the ball just kind of completely sails, it's because Drew Aller is essentially conceding that, okay, hey, the defense wins this rep. The cornerback won this rep. I'm going to throw it away and not give the defensive back a chance to make a play on the football. He's putting the football away from the defender when it's necessary on those plays. It's about winning that rep. And that in that case, it's a tie. Okay, it's a tie because the defense doesn't get a, a, a turnover there. But he's moving in the pocket well. It helps when pass protection's really good. That helps. But Drew Aller has a lot of nifty pocket mobility for someone who's six foot six, 240 pounds plus. The straight line speed, sure, you'd love him to be faster. But the athleticism that he carries for someone at his size, again, is impressive. So no interceptions through six career starts through 20, 241 attempts. He has thrown the football in his career 241 times. Without an interception. No jinxes here. I really hope so. And let's keep an eye on the FBS record. Let's keep an eye on it because at 379 consecutive attempts, Russell Wilson in 2009 had the record with the NC State Wolfpack. So I know Russell Wilson isn't exactly the same quarterback as he is in the NFL. In college, he was really good. With the Seattle Seahawks, he was very good. And he also holds the FBS record for the most consecutive pass attempts without an interception at 379. Drew Aller, 241, still has a way to go. I would say, with Drew Aller averaging about 30 attempts per game almost, roughly a ballpark, that's going to be a discussion in about maybe six or seven games towards the end of the season here. Let's see, going a full season with these opponents on the schedule is going to be difficult, but I think Aller's up to the task. Defense and special teams not getting neglected here because Daquan Hardy did have two touchdowns. I am, very, I am very eager to talk about that one. Before we get to that, let's nominate our game changer of the week presented to you by Athletic Brewing Company, and that is Mr. Hardy himself, Daquan Hardy, because you had not one but two punt returns for a touchdown, and according to the stats, he had never attempted a punt return before. So for someone to come in and return two punts for touchdowns in a game, Without returning one in a game before, that's pretty impressive, I must say. So much like Hardy in the game against UMass, Athletic Brewing Company is completely changing the game. But when it comes to non-alcoholic beer, they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good and they're full of flavor and well-crafted. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden, Sours, and so much more. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic beers at a store near you. Or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First time customers can use code LOCKED ON to get 15% off your first online order. That is code LOCKED ON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. And Locked On Nittany Lines is your go to podcast for Happy Valley Insider.com. Penn State Rivals has all the recaps from UMass. Also, the previews getting ready for Ohio State. It is Ohio State week, and Penn State adds a new element that the Buckeyes have to prepare for, and that is more respect in the special teams unit. DaQuan Hardy now having the two touchdowns from the punt return. We on this show, the Everydayers and I knew that DaQuan Hardy was at least in the conversation. I anticipated when I was projecting my depth chart for the Nittany Lines that DaQuan Hardy was going to be the starting returner but had an injury did not play right away this season and then Caden Saunders showed that he would it could at least handle the duties so uh, Daquan Hardy and Caden Saunders basically split it was almost a 1A 1B situation but Caden Saunders uh, that opportunity allowed Penn State by playing UMass to see what Hardy could do Hardy I did not know that he was that fast I, I really didn't he was gliding in a game that was, uh, that was rain-filled, right? It was a rainy day. Also on top of that, Daquan Hardy had two passes deflected. So really the takeaway from this is Hardy is much more valuable than people are giving him credit for. He completes this secondary to have that trio of being able to play man-to-man-to-man with Kalen King on one island, Johnny Dixon on another, and they have Daquan Hardy in the slot. And they can flip Daquan Hardy can move to the outside. Johnny Dixon can come into the slot. I know Kalen King can as well, but you want him on the boundary because you're going to try to maybe shadow him with Marvin Harrison Jr. But Hardy completes the secondary. He takes the special teams to another level. And here's much more value for him as a player than people should that people are just not talking about. And now teams, they can't just willy-nilly try to punt it as far as they can to Penn State. They have to be strategic, try to punt it out of bounds allow some more hang time. So that also brings back the distance a little bit when you can't just boot it into the sun. You have to be a little more strategic with when you're giving the football back to Penn State. And Daquan Hardy, in a small sample size, it was one game, but the two touchdowns, uh, are Ohio State's really going to have to take that into consideration. If it wasn't for the two touchdowns, I would have started off with these two takeaways about the defense. And the first one of our last two, Seeing more cornerback blitzes from Manny Diaz, the schematics, the X's and O's of it, it feels like Manny Diaz has been a little relaxed with the cornerback blitzes, and mostly because Penn State's used them in coverage. The cornerbacks have been a little little utilized more in coverage as they are cornerbacks, right? Defensive backs. But this was more of your traditional. I think Manny Diaz, like the offense, was allowed to experiment with some different types of things that they've been working on, and those cornerback blitzes for Cam Miller to get two sacks Uh, UMass was never going to be able to defend that, but what's going to happen when Ohio State has to game plan for that with a cornerback like Cam Miller being able to fire off the edge and get not one but two sacks? I'm not saying that he's going to have that kind of pressure on another quarterback in the Big Ten like that. However, you can get so creative by basically teasing what you're going to do with some of those blitzes from the secondary. Manny Diaz will continue to dial up. He's not afraid to get those blitzes for the likes of Ohio State and Michigan. They're coming. But like I said, I think Penn State's kept a lot of this stuff close to the vest, and those secondary blitzes are like that as well. And then the final takeaway, the defensive ends are so good that you're not going to keep one of them on the sideline. You're going to play all three of them. Chuck Robinson, Denai Dennis Sutton, Adisa Isaac. One of them has to stay on the sideline, right? Wrong. No, you can play all three of them at the same time because now Manny Diaz has created a package where you have denied in a Sutton and Adisa Isaac on the outside and then Chop Robinson in the middle as a nose tackle. And he was doing this in obvious third down passing situations and uh, or just obvious passing situations in general, but mainly third down and Penn State did this a few times in other games, but it was a little more on display against UMass. I, I'm just surprised that Robinson instead of DDS was the one to move into the nose tackle spot for that three-man pass rush but it works it really does five sacks between the three of them Adisa Isaac had a heck of a day career day albeit UMass I get it I really do but this was a very interesting and a successful wrinkle to the defense that really we should have been expecting all along because denied Dennis Sutton being a backup when there's just the two of them, but it how can you not play them all at the same time? And that's it's smart on the coaching staff to do this. But what it also does, it does something more than just getting your three best pass rushers on the football field at the same time. It allows Penn State to drop eight back into a pass defensive secondary that's already the best in the nation, according to the numbers. So Penn State is seeing success from three pass rushers. You can rush three, collapse the pocket, and still win on third downs with that without sacrificing coverage on the back end. Getting pressure on the quarterback is key like that, and then you can dial up those creative blitzes on top of that. So now you got to factor in for the night and a Sutton. you got to do double-team Chop Robinson in the middle, who's attacking your center, who's not used to those kind of pass-rushing techniques coming over to the middle. It, it's almost unfair. I, 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 we're going to see it a ton more against Ohio State against any of the, the opponents moving here from, the, uh, from here on out. And Chop has shown just how talented he is. The fact that you can line him up anywhere, traditionally a five or a seven technique, or sometimes even a nine, right? But a zero, a one, a three, you put him anywhere on the line of scrimmage, single team, double team, it doesn't matter. He had two sacks in that game against UMass. And, and Penn State getting pressure with three, dropping eight. Allowing them to still win that battle up front with just three guys. And then the creativity from the secondary blitzes. It's a nice formula to have on defense there for the Nittany Lions. But those are my seven takeaways. I appreciate everyone checking out this episode. Please like and subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions. Let me know in the comments what your biggest takeaway from the game against UMass. Going into Ohio State is and have plenty more to talk about. James Franklin's got another press conference, so maybe we'll get some viral clips out of that one as well, hopefully for better reasons. But keep it right here for more Penn State football coverage on Locked On Nittany Lions.